you have your Bibles this morning, uh, turn with me to Galatians. There we are. All of a sudden I heard myself. I guess I'm on now. Okay. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at uh, Galatians again today. As we began last week, looking through the book of Galatians and studying what it means to be free in Christ. Um, we're calling right now this series, our, this whole process we're in right now, Project Freedom, as we talk about how we can look at and understand some things about God and what he want, how he wants us to be free in him and what it means to be free in Christ. We are also looking during this time at uh, and studying many of you, a large number of you are going through Financial Peace University, uh, the report from this past week where we had about uh, close to probably 250 uh, adults and uh, teenagers who went through uh, the first week of Financial Peace uh, this week is the absolute last week you can become a part of that group. So if you decide you want to be a part of Financial Peace, uh, we have classes tonight at 4, this afternoon at 4 with child care, and then uh, uh, Tuesday night here uh, without child care, and Wednesday night over at the Monte Cristo room over uh, just down the street here. And then uh, uh, young adults and students are meeting on Thursday night, and then our youth, our junior high, senior high are meeting at the times they meet. So it's all those things. Okay. So just let you know, if you still thought, thought well, man, I wish I'd have joined... It's not too late, but today is, or not today, but this week is the uh, last week probably that would be good to jump in because you'll miss too much if you don't jump in right away. Um, I don't know about you guys, but over the last week or so, uh, I've been watching a lot of things about 9-11. Any of you watch stuff about 9-11? I mean, anything? I mean, I didn't have a chance last weekend. It was too busy with a lot of things to really do stuff, so I love DVRs. And so I DVR two or three, two or three programs, and so this week I sat down and actually watched them. And I was reminded throughout the, the whole, the whole st- series of the programs and going back, I was just reminded of those things that were so vivid, uh, 10 years ago in my, in our minds and things that happened. And one quote kind of, uh, uh, I don't know who, who quote, who said this, but I remember the quote. I didn't remember who said it, but it said this, 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 uh, will remain the land of the free only so long as it is the home of the brave. This country will re- remain the land of the free. Only as long as it's the home of the brave. And when I heard that, it reminded me of what we're studying right now. This whole thing of what it means to be free in Christ. Uh, and this week, as we look at chapter 2 of Galatians, last week we looked at chapter 1. I gave you some background on Paul. If you missed last week, you can go and get our podcast and, and listen to that as well. But uh, as I thought about uh, this week and this, this, this chapter 2 that we're going to be looking at today... I thought about this whole thing of, of, of freedom and being brave. And as I looked at Paul, I remembered this about Paul. Paul, his spiritual liberty, his freedom in Christ was worth far more than popularity or even security. He was one who, who understood that there was some uh, things at, at play in his life that if, he didn't, if he'd allowed it to overcome him and allowed it to overcome the gospel, that Christianity would become nothing more than a Jewish sect. It would become nothing more than that because it was two fights that we'll see today in chapter 2 of Galatians that, uh, that Paul had to deal with. The number one was thing that if you can actually read about in Acts chapter 15, uh, the Jerusalem council. As he was there, he was going through this issue of trying to combat this, this as we talked about last week, this group of people who said that, you know, if you're going to be a, a Christian, you really have to first become a Jew. And you have to go through all the Jewish stuff that's involved in that circumcision, uh, uh, eating certain foods, doing all those things. And for us guys, we're really glad that's not happening, uh, that, uh, you know, you don't have to do all that. Um, 
even, you know, I'm not even going there. What am I even going there this morning? I don't know. But the issue is, is that that was one of the issues he was, he was dealing with. And we'll see that in chapter two, uh, verses one through 10. And like I said, you can also, I encourage you to go back as, as other, uh, reading some other things. Acts chapter 15 deals with the whole thing as well. The second thing that he dealt with in regard to this issue of Christian freedom and Christian liberty was a, a private meeting that he had with, with Peter who was, uh, we consider, probably one of the great pillars of the church. And um, this private meeting in the last half of chapter 2 of Galatians, where he was, uh, Paul was willing to uh, kind of get in, in Peter's face and say to Peter, you're wrong. Uh, you've let people influence you in a way that you should not allow people to influence you. And so we're going to talk about today this issue because, like I said, if Paul had not been willing to wage this spiritual battle with this uh, larger church group and then with Peter himself, basically today we would not know Christianity as we know it. It would just be a subset of the Jewish religion. And so we're going to look at that today and talk about what that, does that mean for me and for you. Uh, see, one of the main issues, as we talked about last week, one of the main issues last week we talked about that hinders us in regard to the freedom that Christ wants us to have was what? What was last week? What's set free from religion, in a sense, or rules and regulations? We define religion as the rules and regulations that lead us to to uh, uh, to follow God, to feel in that we have to do certain things to honor and please God so that God will love us. And we said that's not the, the, the issue. The issue is in Christ, because of what God has done through Jesus Christ upon the cross, what happens is is that you and I, uh, are, we don't try to, you know, to, to follow the rules. We don't try to become rule breakers, but we don't try to follow the rules because we want to please God. But it's a response to God's love for us is how we do it. And, and so we have to understand there's a difference there. Now, this week I want to talk about one of the issues that hinders our freedom, that keeps us from being the persons that God wants us to be, one of the main issues is, <clears throat> excuse me, freedom uh, is, is uh, fear of people. Fear of people. Now, none of you would probably say right out front, I'm, f- I'm afraid of people. You wouldn't, but you are. You are. Because you do care what people think, right? At least in some degree, some more than others. And so one of the things we see here in, in, this, in chapter 2 of Galatians is this whole thing of freedom in Christ and trying to uh, please people, and that's what caused some problems here. Now, today I want to talk about four ways to, out of this passage, four ways that we can avoid people problems. Now, I'm not saying you're, it's going to be easy or it's going to be, you know, totally effective all the time, but four things that I think we can learn from Scripture to avoid people problems, and then a solution to all this as well that that Paul talks about here in chapter 2 of Galatians. So if you have your Bible, turn with me there, and I want to talk through this. Now, I'm not going to look at every verse today because I'm looking at all of chapter 2. I'm just going to pick and choose, so do not get frustrated with me if I don't read your favorite verse, but... Okay, just we're just going to go through it and look at it this morning. The first thing, if if I want to avoid people problems, number one is this, is I need to avoid trying to please people. Now, that's obvious, right? Avoid trying to please people. Uh, Paul, as he was writing this 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 passage in uh, in Galatians chapter two, he says this. Remember last week we talked about if you were here, if you weren't here, this is what happened. Basically, he said he, he stood up and he said uh, that basically we need to quit trying to be religious. It's not about being religious and following rules. It's about trusting in Christ. But then he began to say uh, in chapter two, he said, 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas who was one of his good buddies, and I took Titus along with him. And that's interesting that he took Titus because Titus was a Gentile. He had been a Gentile from day one. 
Um, if you're not a Jew, you were considered a Gentile. You were somebody who was outside of the faith. And so Titus was that kind of a person. And he says, I also went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. And then in the next few verses, what he does, he talks about uh, Titus and some things that happened there. And then verse 6, this is where I want to focus for just a moment about trying to please people, or avoid trying to please people, is he says this. He says, as for those who seemed to be important, you might want to, you know, underline that, seem to be important, because sometimes people, what, they, they seem to be important. Uh, they, they, they have certain things in their life and makes them, you know, they can, they can speak well or they have a certain position of power and they seem to be important. He says, for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. So what's Paul saying here? Paul's saying that to us, he says, Hey, my deal is not to please these, these folks who are in leadership in the, in the Jerusalem church. He said, my deal is to please God. He says this, God does not judge by external appearance. These men added nothing to my message. And so he's not trying to say they were unimportant, but at the same time he says, my deal in life, and he'd said this back earlier in chapter 1 as well, he said, my deal in life is not to go about worrying about what everybody thinks. Even people who are, are, who are leaders and, and others. Let me explain something to you. I hope, I hope that none of you at Great Oaks are here because of me or because of other staff persons or other leaders in the church. Because at best, let me tell you this, and I hope you just don't blow your image, at best we are imperfect. We are imperfect representatives of God. And if you've placed your, your faith and your trust in me, or Chris, or Nate, or Dan, or somebody else in the life of the church, guess what's going to happen eventually? I will let you down. Not that I'll try to let you down, but I will let you down because the problem is is that I'm, I'm, I'm a human being. And so what Paul is saying here, he said, the thing is, quit trying to please people to get their attention so that people will, will honor you or you'll, or you, or you'll be, uh, look better in their, because the thing is, is that people are going to let you down. You ever had that experience before? Somebody in your life who you really held in high esteem and somewhere along the way they let you down? One of the problems in life so often for those who are believers or anybody in the world is that we try to please people and people are, are really imperfect in so many ways. I mean, I love, there's certain people that I admire greatly. People like Billy Graham. Somebody asked me one time, you know, my middle initials G, and they said, does that middle initial stand for Graham? I said, no, wish it did. I'm not going to tell you what it stands for because I don't like my middle name. It's a good southern name, by the way. So, uh, so the deal is, is that, uh, the thing is, no, I mean, I admire Billy, no, my parents didn't name me after, after Billy Graham, you know. But the issue is, is, is so often in life, we can, you can admire somebody, but don't try to, just to please them. Try, try to, to, to look at people and say, hey, I want to be just, just like them. For a Christian, we need to be the only person in life we really need to please to honor, to, to be focused upon. And if we do that, we'll do all right with everybody else. Is God, Jesus Christ. And Paul's saying here to us, he's saying, hey, quit, quit trying to, uh, quit trying to please people because he, he saw this as a problem here in the Jerusalem church. Remember, there's a group called the Judaizers. 
We talked about this last week as well. The Judaizers were people who said, hey guys, if you're going to be a Christian, we want to, hey, you got to also follow along and become, you know, just like us who are Jewish and follow all the things. And in doing so, what happened is, is that the church went through this chaos and the Jerusalem council was something where they came together and, and it wasn't like it was representative of all the churches that Paul had been a part of. No, it was just Paul and two or three other people and then all Jerusalem church. And as he was there, basically what they ended up deciding was, hey, even Peter was there and he was a, he was a, a well-known person and James, the brother of Jesus and others as well. And the thing was about them is that they understood this is that if we allow the Judaizers, the people who want to become us to become something else, if we allow them to influence us, if we try to please them, what's going to happen is, is that we will undermine the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we'll look at at the end of the chapter this morning. So the first thing is this, now it's obvious, you know, if you want to avoid people problems, avoid trying to please people. Pretty easy, right? Now, last week I asked you this, I asked you this question, let's see if, we, let's see if you did any better this week. How many of you this morning got up? Remember last week I asked you the question? How many of you got up this morning and found your grubbiest clothes to wear to church? Or maybe you didn't even care to grubbiest. You just said, hey, I don't care what I wear to church this morning because I'm just going to church. You know? You know, I just, you know, I don't really, it doesn't really matter what I look like. You know, because it's all about who? God! Right? No, 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 no. All of you this morning got up and you looked in the mirror and you're going like, I need to fix my hair, put my makeup, wet ladies, guys, hopefully not, uh, put my makeup on, you know, do all those things. Why? Do you think God thinks more of you this morning because you got dressed in a certain way than another way? Do you think even God even cares? I don't think so, according to scripture. So who'd you do it for? Who'd you do it for? Why'd you spend all the time fixing your hair, brushing your, well, I don't know brushing your teeth, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, doing, you know, doing stuff this morning. Why'd you do it? Come on. Because of people sitting around you, you know, you don't want them to, you know, think you smell bad or you look bad, or at least, you know, look decent, presentable. You do it because you're trying to please people. Let's just be honest. But in the long run, the thing is, is we, if you really want to avoid people problems, quit trying to, or avoid trying to please people. That was the first thing we see in the first part, in a sense of chat, excuse me, of chapter, uh, of chapter two of Galatians. The second thing though, and we're going to look at basically the last part of the chapter more than the first part, because it's really a very personal, uh, uh, dealing with a very personal thing that happened here, is, uh, is we need to avoid getting distracted. Distracted. If we want to avoid people problems, because so often in life we can be on track, understand the truth, and along the way what happens is, is we allow things to distract us, and really one of those things are people. How do people distract us sometimes? Because the, the thing is that we start worrying about, you know, about them and what they say. It says this in uh, chapter 2, verse 11. It says, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. I told you that Paul got in Peter's face. It says it here in Scripture. He got in his face, and what he did, he says he was clearly, he did it because he was clearly in the wrong. Now, why did he do that? Now, who's Peter? Why did he get in Peter's face? Peter was one of the great leaders. If you look at the people in the early church that was followers of Jesus Christ, who stands out above all other people? Peter. The followers, because he was always the one in charge, always the one in the lead. And, and matter of fact, Peter, but Peter was also what? He was Jewish. 
And Peter, he'd, he'd gone through this process and God had begun to open his eyes to some things. And we read back in Acts chapter 10 about, us in, about him going. And this guy whose name Cornelius came to him. He was a Roman centurion. He was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. And so what it is is that Peter's, uh, Peter began to have this, had this revelation from God and he saw, it's kind of a cool revelation. You can go back and read this. And, and, and he didn't want to go to Peter and Cornelius uh, didn't want to go, or Peter didn't want to go to Cornelius' house. And so, uh, God gave him this revelation. And he said to him, Hey guys, watch this. And so out of heaven drops this sheet. And it was all kind of really cool things that come from the Midwest. Like, like, uh, butterfly pork chops and, and, uh, I thought about this. Let's think about it a minute. Non-kosher foods. Uh, brats, we didn't have those on the East Coast, I'm sorry. You moved to the East Coast, you have to find them somewhere. you got to look for them. Butterfly pork chops, I don't know where in the world you guys got those things. But they're good. I like them. But on this sheet comes down from heaven and God said, eat. And Peter, being a good Jew, he didn't eat, you know, unclean meat. And pork is considered, in the Jewish mentality, unclean. He wouldn't have eaten any of these things. And God said, you know, Peter, that you could eat all these things and be all right with me. It's not about what you eat. It's about what's inside your heart. And so Peter had this vision from God. And what happened was, is he, is he had this vision. And so he began, he said he, he, uh, he went into, in Acts chapter 10, it says, talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people, went to Cornelius' house. And he said to him, you're well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. Now, if you had that kind of experience, let me ask you, if you had that kind of experience with God where he dropped some kind of sheet out of the, you had a vision and it was all this stuff, you know, and God showed it to you, do you think it would change who you are? Your ability? Yeah, it would. It would change me. Okay, keep that in your mind right now. Okay, that's part of the story of Peter. In, in chapter 11, if you go back to chapter 11 of Acts, uh, Peter uh, is called on the carpet for this. And what does he do? Does he cave in? No. Peter withstands and defends himself and defends the fact that you don't have to be a Jew or follow Jewish principles to be a Christian, to follow God. And then at the, in chapter 15, I've already shared with you the Jerusalem Council, Peter was one of the key witnesses of the Jerusalem Council. And, and as he was there, he articulated uh, his defense that, you know, once again, you don't have to go through the process because God works in uh, becoming a Jew to become a Christian. But then we read here in chapter in chapter 2 of, of Galatians, we read these words that uh, Paul had to confront him. And Paul had to confront him because he was clearly in the wrong. And this is what he says in verse 12. This is what he had to confront him about. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles talking about Peter. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because what? He was afraid. He was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. That's the, the Judaizers, the people who felt that people had to become Jews to become Christians. And you're going like, how in the world could this happen in Peter's life? This bold leader who, who was the person who stood up, who had this vision from God, who stood up in the Jerusalem council, defended himself, and now he's afraid. It's because he became distracted. You ever got distracted in life? I mean, you're going through life and you're following along God pretty well and things are going pretty well, but man, you get so busy, 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 you start allowing other things to come into your life. 
I mean, I can tell you that. For fact, I mean, I, I can tell you time. This is preacher confession this morning, okay? One of the things that bugs me sometimes about myself is my inconsistency. I can get allow, allow things to distract me, things like that are good stuff. Now, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, uh, choose between, you know, whether to, uh, you know, to eat a taco or to kill somebody. It's not like, like kind of choice. Uh, it's, you know, it's choices like good and good and good or good and better. And I get so busy sometimes that one of the things I find myself, I go through periods of life, times in life where I'm not even really connecting with God. I'm not spending the time. Yeah, every day I study the Bible. You know why? Because I have to, because it's my job. You're going like, oh, man, this is a real spiritual pastor. Yeah, well, this is real. But sometimes I get so distracted in life from the things that are important that I'll become disconnected from God. I don't have the quiet time and the daily time with God and in prayer and stuff that I need to have. And I'll go through periods of time where I've discovered all of a sudden. I'm going to trip over something up here and kill myself, too. But uh, the thing is, is that we find ourselves distracted. And I believe that's who Peter was. What was happening here with Peter? You know, Peter, this, Peter was an amazing guy, but he was very impulsive. I mean, you look back at him, he had amazing faith one minute, and the next minute he was complete failure. I mean, you know, he walks on the waves to go meet Jesus, and then what does he do? He starts to sink because he loses focus. He was distracted. I mean, I guess I would be distracted too if I had waves lapping at my feet. But, you know, that's, that was Peter. You know, he, he boasts in the upper room that that he would never, that he would, he would walk with Jesus even to the death. And what does he do right after that? He denies Jesus three times. Peter was this up and down guy in life. And because when he was focused on the main thing and he was not distracted, what happened in his life? He, uh, he was following God, but when he was distracted, he allowed people to persuade him and take him in a different direction. And that was what was happening here. With Peter here, he allowed this group of people in a weak moment to distract him from the main thing, to become something that hindered him from being what God would want him to be. But it was not only Peter did it himself, but Peter's fearful response even led others astray. Verse thirteen is a third thing, if you know, about avoiding people problems is we need to avoid the bandwagon because it says in verse verse thirteen the other Jews. Joined him, who? Peter, in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Now, I don't know why they say even Barnabas, but Barnabas was a guy that was a follower of God, a a great, uh, he was one of Paul's main guys who was with him. He seemed to be the most stable guy of all the people there. His name means uh, son of encouragement. Uh, He had all these things going on in his life. But people so often, you know, we can jump on the bandwagon because certain things in our life, people look like things are going well. Have you ever jumped on the bandwagon or something? Nah. Christians, I love, we as Christians do some strange things sometimes. We really do. I mean, how many of you, a few years ago, when there was this big boycott of Disney, decided to boycott Disney? Y'all know about that? Nobody know about that? Christians were boycotting Disney. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, Walt Disney's vision was, you know, I understand there were some things about Disney we don't like, but, you know, does that really set a precedent? That really upset them a lot, I'm sure. You know, but we do it because, you know, some other Christians were doing it. Or like the whole thing, you know, you get online and, you know, the Teletubby thing. You remember that one? 
the purple tel- well, I don't know was the purple tel- I don't know anything about Teletubbies. One of them was supposedly, you know, because it was something, you know, was, and so a bunch of Christians went, went off and the people were going, going crazy about, you know, don't, don't ban Teletubbies, you know, or maybe it was the Barney thing, you know, I don't know what, you know, I, I didn't like Barney anyway, but, uh, but the thing was is that these people will jump on bandwagons for any strange thing because other people who seem to be sensible, you know, go along with it and, and here, Here's a person, and sometimes it's people who are influential who say things like that. And here's Peter who's influential. He go, he gets distracted from the main thing and happens, and he goes in a certain directions, and it led pers- other persons who were thought, thought of him as, as a, you know, an extra special person to follow him as well. Other Jews followed him in his hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray. The thing is, folks, is we need to stay or keep focused on the main thing. And finally, it says in the last part here, in verse uh, 14 through 16, the, the, the other thing I thought was really interesting here is uh, uh, we need to avoid spiritual pride. If we don't want to let people influence us in a negative way, avoid spiritual pride. It's, it says this, I said to Peter in front of them all, this is what Paul says to Peter in front of them all, not just to himself, in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Obviously, Peter had gone back. He'd allowed the people, these Judaizers, these people who wanted everybody to become a Jew, who became a Christian, he'd allowed, he'd been influenced, influential, and they'd influenced Paul, I mean Peter. And he says, we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Now, underline and score that. It's in, it's in, uh, 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 italics there in, in, uh, uh, in scripture there. Gentile sinners. It says, we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Does that sound like pride there when you have, oh, well, we're Jews by birth, but the rest of them Gentile sinners out there. You know, I, I found it to be, you know, people, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry, you know. Well, I go to, so, I go to Great Oaks Church. Or, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I love it. Denominationalism is so great too. You know, I'm a Baptist. I grew up Baptist. So Baptist is the group to belong to. I want to tell you that right now. It's even higher than Christians. <laughs> now, I would never say that, but some people I know, you know, I, I, I thought when I came to Great Oaks a few years ago, I thought my some of my family were going to disown me because I wasn't going to a Baptist church. Really. And I've come to realize that there's other churches besides Baptists that, that, that are biblical or Lutheran or Catholic or, you know, whatever. Some people get so caught up in this spiritual pride issue that they lose sight of what's most important, and that is... They let people and, 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 and people's ideas influence them in ways that they shouldn't. They have a spiritual pride. And here Paul is saying to him, he said, hey, guy, you know, we call these other people Gentile sinners because we're Jews by birth. But the issue is, is that we can allow spiritual, spiritual pride to distract us from the thing that God wants us to do. And what does God want us to do? How do we avoid people pleasing? How do we do that? Well, verse 20 and 21, the last part of chapter 2 deals with this. It says that how we avoid that is that we live by faith. We live by faith. It's real simple. It's, it's, it's simple in concept, a little harder sometimes to do. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. Those of you who are Christians, you've been crucified with Christ. And it says, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God 
who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. What is Paul saying as he concludes? He's saying, you know, guys, if you're going around trying to please people, if you're trying to find religi- uh, follow religious rituals, all those things, you're p- substituting that. It's like we talked about last week. It's, it's Christ plus something. And Paul is saying that God is it's Christ plus nothing. Because we are crucified with Christ, Christ lives in us. We don't need anything else in our life to be set free. And, when, and if we have other things in our life that we think that has to, to be like following certain religious rituals or, or, or we have, have to please people, what happens is we become slaves in a sense to our own problems in our life. And, and the thing is, is that God doesn't want us to be that way. I was thinking about that. I encourage you this week to go back and read verse 20 and 21 over and over and over and over again this week in multiple translations. You're going, I don't have them. Yes, you do. You got a computer? Go online to Uversion. Dot com, Y-O-U version dot com. You have access to about 20 different uh, uh, translations of Scripture. Free. Doesn't cost you a thing. There's multiple, uh, Bible Gateway. There's, there's all kinds of places to go and, and to look at this. But I would encourage you to go and read this week as your devotional thoughts this week, those verses. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith. By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Think about what that means in your own life every day. I mean, I could have, I thought about this week just scrapping all the rest of chapter 2 and just doing those two verses. Because that's really the answer. But, you know, Paul decided to talk about, hey... This whole issue of trying to let people influence your life in ways that you shouldn't. So what does it mean? What does it mean? I, I, was, I heard a story one time, a long time ago. I don't remember the name of the guy, but it was a story about, uh, about the 1850s. In the 1850s in America, slavery was still rampant in, 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 the, in the nation. And this story was about a man who, in a real sense, uh, I don't know what part of the country he lived in, but uh, probably in the south, and as he lived there, he, he was a person who did not believe in slavery. He, he was abhorred by slavery. As he was going through life, though, he was abhorred, but in the same sense, he allowed other people to influence him, so he didn't speak out against slavery in any way. But one day as he was going down the street, there was a slave market there on the street he was on, and they were, they were where they would sell people to the highest bidder as slaves. And as he was there, as he was going down the street, he'd gone by this many times and it hasn't affected him. He thought he'd just walk on the other side of the street and go away from it so he wouldn't have to think about it. But that day, at that time, in that hour, there was a young girl being auctioned off. And he was so moved by the fact that this young girl was going to be sold into slavery, he said, I have to do something about it. And so he did something he'd never done before. He didn't own any slaves. He went over and he began to bid on the young girl. And he ended up paying twice as much as, there, as any other slave that day was paid for. And you could imagine what the girl was thinking in her mind. And so when he got, went to pay for her and, and, and to take her and they gave it to, gave the slave girl, the young girl, to, to him, still in shackles, and he began to lead her away, 
she spat on him. And she spit on him again. And she's thinking, he, you know, because he, she was thinking, this, this guy, he's, he's going to do to me what everybody else has done to me in my life. And as he walked away, he, he, he went over and he got another piece of paper and he, and he signed it and he did something and he, and, and he gave, gave it to her, gave it to her and, and, and after, even after she spit on him. And this piece of paper was something that allowed her to be free. He paid double the price for her that, that everybody else had been paid for the slaves. And then he was going to set her free. And she couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe that this guy would do that for her. This guy that nobody, that she didn't know, never met, would do that for her. And she was so moved by that act that she turned around to him and she says, how can I serve you? She had been set free. But her first response to the act of love of this guy was to say, how can I serve you? And he's going, no, you don't understand You're free. You can do anything you want. And she looks at him again and she says, but I want to serve you. What else could I do? When I thought about that story, that's the kind of freedom that God wants us to have in our lives with him. You know, he has paid the price for us. He set us free. And so often, as Paul will look at in the next several weeks, so often it's, it's, it's not God that puts us into bondage, it's ourselves. It's just trying to follow rules and regulations. It's just trying to follow along with people. It's trying to do all those things. And God says, hey, I want you to be free. And the reason we respond in love to him is because of that, like that girl did, is because all of a sudden we realize, hey, what, what other response could I have? But to respond in love to the one who has set me free. Somebody asked you today, where are you? You know, are you trying to, have you been, been trying to be saved? Uh, have you been saved by the grace of God? Or have you been thinking, you know, if, if I just please God just enough, if I do enough of the good rules and follow enough of the regulations, what will happen is God will be pleased with me. But the scripture says that that is not how we, God accepts us. God has already paid for us the price upon the cross through Jesus Christ. And in doing so, He says, you don't have to worry about the works. You respond in love. You respond by obedience. You respond in that way. But that is not what saves you. I love Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. That is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that any man could boast. Have you been trying to mix law and grace? I mean, yeah, you, you, you want to trust God and you want to follow Him, but you say, well, you know, there's got to be all these other rules and regulations and I gotta, there's got to be something I have to do to please God. And it's hard for us to understand in our own fallen nature how we could possibly, you know, God could be pleased with us and, and forgive us just as we are. But the Bible says in Christ alone, it's by faith in Christ alone, that we have a relationship with God that we're set free. And then I would ask this, are you walking in freedom and the freedom that God wants you to have in God's grace? You know, liberty does not mean license to do as you please. Rather, it means the freedom in Christ to enjoy Him and to become what God has wanted you to be from the very beginning. 
It includes freedom from rules and regulations and freedom from pleasing people. So how do you, how do you deal with those questions? You know, we're going to flesh this out more and more as the weeks go along and looking at Galatians. But I would encourage you to go back and read those two verses, 20 and 21 of chapter 2. And ask yourself the question, am I experiencing that in my life? And if I'm not, what steps do I need to take to experience that? That freedom that comes in knowing and loving and accepting Christ and God's penalty or payment for our, our sin through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because God wants us to be free. Just as free as that slave girl was. Just as free in a sense that we don't have to go around worrying all the time about, do I measure up? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.